please, please do not harm us. We have come to your planet for one thing. The Francine Marie Show. It's the only content we can digest. Good morning, campers! Pick up your coffee cup, make a cup of tea, pour yourself a beer. Hair of the dog, it's the Francine Marie Show! After a successful 12-year professional basketball career, Tamar Slay has turned his experience into a platform dedicated to taking the student-athlete game to the next level. So we hear about all of our professional ball players going on to New Horizons, and I'm so glad he found his way. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Tamar Slay! Tamar Slay! That sounds good. So when you were playing ball, did you love to hear your name called out in the uh, audience? It gave you an extra boost. Yeah, you, you got a little extra adrenaline rush when you heard the, the fans cheering your name. Did you always know that you wanted to be a basketball player? Well, you know, I grew up playing football, but I grew about six inches in three months. And uh, I was too tall and skinny to play football. So it was kind of, you know, God sent me a message for giving me all that height. Like, this is what you're supposed to do, son. So I, I listened to him. Not being a huge basketball fan, but I've always been curious as to these guys are so tall and so fast. Absolutely. I was blessed with a lot of athletic ability. Of course, you got to fine tune it by continuing to to push yourself and get the extra work in. But, you know, blessed with this size and I naturally had speed, naturally had athletic ability. So, yeah. 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 Are you left-handed or right-handed? Right. Athletes, they focus on the plan and they have the goal and nothing else matters. Yeah, that's exactly how I operate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I operate just like that. I'm tunnel vision. If I got my mind set on something, even like when you were talking about the fans yelling my name, I was so locked in at the time, I really didn't hear it. But, you you know. Until you see the playbacks. Yeah, yeah. What team? If- Drafted by the New Jersey Nets. It's now in Brooklyn Nets. And then uh, the Hornets, and that was the Bobcats at the time, took me from the Nets in the expansion draft. The first year the Bobcats came here. So uh, I was one of the orig- I was on the original team, the second free agent to sign here in Charlotte when the Bobcats came. The- I'm with the Union for the NBA is what I do. Uh, so I'm in the player programs department. So we help these guys out that's transitioning of out of the league, we help guys that's in the league now with off-the-court stuff. Uh, we create programs such as real estate programs, tech programs, leadership programs. We create those, design them, and then we implement them to our guys to to help them to get a better feel for what they want to do when they retire. Yeah, because you got to have that afterlife, don't you? You, you better. You better unless you're LeBron James or someone like that. If and he not, still has his side has gigs? His, yes. Exactly. Yeah, I love his show on HBO. He has the blueprint. I mean, if all of our players could follow his blueprint to some level, then uh, we won't have to worry about guys going broke anymore because he really took who he is and maximized it where he could, He brought his boys along, turned them into something. He created different businesses. And now you see what he's doing back in his community. We're building schools and different things like that. It's, it's just a brilliant way to do it. And if all our guys could follow his blueprint, they may not be to do it on his level, but, you know, try to take a bits and pieces from what he's doing back to their community. I think our guys would be better off. So you have to share with us about your basketball camp. Yes, it started five years ago. I decided to retire in the gym and I was just messing around with a bunch of kids and this is something I enjoy doing and 
it was just really a heat of the moment decision where I was like, I'm done playing. This is what I want to do. I know for me, coming from uh, the humble backgrounds that I came from, basketball saved my life. I was homeless going into college. My mom didn't graduate high school. She had four kids by the time she was 21 years old, but she made it work. My dad had his issues. So I was an at-risk kid, to say the least. I'm not trying to say that my parents wasn't there for me. They didn't care about me. They did all they could. But basketball was an outlet for me to be able to get up out of the hood. And I had a lot of good men in my life or and women through the sport of basketball to teach me life skills, to teach me how to be a winner. This is what I want to do now. This is what I'm doing now here in the community of, of Union County. Really have a around 200 kids in my organizations where they come in daily, not only to get basketball lessons, but to get life lessons. We got a great team of guys, ex-military guys. We got former players, uh, former NBA players. We got players that play Ed Coda, who played at UNC Tar Heels, all feeding that information into these youngsters. And uh, this is my truly my passion. Uh, I enjoyed it. I wake up at 6 o'clock every morning and uh, get right to it, to uh, thinking about ways I can help these kids be successful. I like how you're bringing the other gentlemen in, like Thomas. Yeah. Yay, shout out to Thomas. Yes, Thomas McDowell has been huge for me. I actually was coaching middle school ball at the time. My son goes to school. I met Thomas then, and we built a relationship, and you know he's been helping me out the last year. And he's just a uh, brilliant brother that you want around you because he served 20 years in the military, you see the way he raises kids. I mean, education's first. I mean, his kids are straight-A students, well-behaved, respectful young men. And that's who I want around me. And that's who I want feeding knowledge into the youth. And that is a good example for them to see, kids to see, teens to see, and young adults to see, and us, that you've got to pick your people. Absolutely. Who you surround yourself with. You surround yourself with a, a bunch of guys that's about the wrong things, and then you're going to end up continuing doing the same thing that these guys are doing. And I've seen it from time to time. You know, I, I talk to my friends back home that's still there, and I remember when I had that choice to make back in high school do we want to go hang out and, you know, do what? Whatever. You know, I'm not going to mention on the radio. Do you want to do that? Nah, I don't. I chose not to. I would go to the gym and be alone by myself. You have a choice at the time. And and I decided to cut those guys out of my life. And now, 20 years later, I'm in a decent situation. And these guys are still trying to figure it out mm. based on decisions you made back when you were 15 and 16. So you got to surround yourself with positive people with goal setting in their mind, you know. So, yeah. What if there's a teen listening now, young teen, who says, you know what, I really don't have the support at home. I really don't have that church family or that spiritual family. I really don't have the neighbors. I just don't have who I really deep down inside deserve. How do you go out and find them when you're that young? I mean, you stay on social media, right? Yeah. But then everybody's not on social media that you need to meet. So how do you go about? From my perspective, that's why I'm trying to do as much as I can with my nonprofit organization, We Got Next. That started about three years ago. We just had a two-hour meeting. We need more kids. We want to touch more kids. So how do we do that? Our part to make sure they do hear about us is try to get, you know, handouts in every backpack in the, in the community. 
where they can see what we're doing and see the programs that we're offering daily, the AAU teams, the travel basketball teams, the the camps, the clinics, all the different things we're doing. It's up to us as leaders in the community to get that to th- that information to them. And, uh, you know, hopefully if we don't, they do still hear about us through, you know, one of their friends. If, if they're not able to, maybe they miss school that day or whatever the case may be. But it's about us getting that information out. So you're in Union County right now. Yes. Are you ever going to come over to the high tax district in Mecklenburg County? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. We were on the drive today. We were just talking about how we wanted to expand. Uh, you know, we're, we're counting, we we got a facility that's going to be done in two months. And, uh, you know, once we get that rolling, which will probably be a year or so, uh, we're, we're going to try to move in this area. I've, I've got a great relationship with uh Braxton Winston. City Council. Yeah, I got a great relationship with him. So I had multiple meetings with him about, okay, what's our plan right here in the heart of Charlotte? What can we do for these kids here in this area? So we got some stuff that we're working on. It's still in the works, but, you know, that's plan B. Got to have plan B. Got to. Sometimes C. You better. You better. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking to our new best friend this morning. It's Tamar Slay. We can go online now. It's Tamar Slay, and that's T-A-M-A-R-S-L-A-Y.com. Tamar used to be a really popular ball player. Not playing now, but he's still coaching, training, and guiding our young folks to the next level because we got next. Hashtag uh, we got next. That was dope. That was dope. <laughs> I like. Inspire us. You know, it's the weekend. That's when we do our reflecting or supposed to do our reflecting right. or at least slow down. I tend to not slow down. That's almost my fast pace time. Yeah. It's, it's not about you all the time. You know, it's about like each one teach one. I know that's a, that's a hashtag. That's everyone says that, but it's a fact that we need to come together and make sure that we're not leaving these kids out to dry because there's a lot of kids that are at risk and it's easy for them to find leaders in gangs, these people that's doing the wrong things. And this is too many of us not to to be able to come together and uh, create, like I have, a nonprofit organization where if they can't afford to pay for it, that you know, what we're doing now is trying to raise money to make sure these kids have everything they need. And, you know, we're trying to get a, a van where we can drive to Mecklenburg and drive those kids out our way. You know what I'm saying? So all that stuff is it needs funding. It's a lot of successful, smart folks in this area that I'm going to be reaching out to. And it's up to all of us. It's one person can't save the day, but each and every one of us need to do our part so we can help these young guys out so they don't end up in dead or in prison. And I like how your groups of young folks are diverse because that's the way the world is. So you might as well find out now. That's my mission statement. And I did just speak about the at-risk kids, but that's not all that we do. I mean, I, I live out in, in Union County. Of course. It's a nice area, but those kids have problems too. They're at risk because maybe their dad works 24 hours a day or maybe something happened, they lost a parent or the neglect is there. They're lacking self-esteem. They're lacking a lot of life skills that they're going to need out here. So what we do at We Got Next is we bring both communities together. We bring the suburban kids to the hood, the hood kids to the suburbans, and combine that. And like you said, that's the way the world's supposed to be. We're all trying to come together. Quick story, I just left Israel last week. I was in Jerusalem, went to the old city, and 
I was with my tour guide, and we were just looking at this site. He said, do you know this is right here? I could jump over to the next building. This is where Muslims worship. This is where Jews worship. This is where Christians worship. People from all across the world come to that same area to pray and try to get closer to God. It's like, wow, that's what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to bring all different religions, races, economic backgrounds all together through sport of basketball and teach them life skills. That's the main thing we're trying to teach, how to survive out here in the real world because it's not going to be easy. And then, of course, basketball is the fun part. You can go right now. It's TamarSlay.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-S-L-A-Y because he's slaying today. <laughs> She's good. I love it. He's slaying in Union <laughs> County. All the good stuff in the world. Soon to come to Mecklenburg County, so keep an eye out on that. TamarSlay.com. And you have been a delight. Well, I appreciate you it. You are I a piece of sunshine. Appreciate you having me. You were the sunshine now. I, I just came in and you brightened up my day. So, oh, so thanks good. so much for having me. You're welcome. All right, go right now. TamarSlay.com. This is Natalie. I know you've been wondering who this voice is. I have a face for radio, and I'm the voice of the Francine Marie Show. <laughs> oh, dear. This is my jam and jelly, y'all, on the Francine Marie Show. Spread that show out, girl. Spread it out. Only smart people get up early enough to listen to the Francine Marie Show. So thanks for listening, smarty pants. You love them enough to do anything for them. Dad, can we make 200 cookies for my bake sale tomorrow? Let's do this. Including checking NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ag Council. Please, please do not harm us. We have come to your planet for one thing. The Francine Marie Show. It's the only content we can digest. Oi, Billy! Oscar! Dave! Get up! Francine Marie Show's on! Good morning. Thanks for joining us. We have Suit Up Charlotte. In the studio this morning, our executive director and founder, Sarita Lindo, is joining us this morning. If you happen to have any men's attire, maybe a tie, some new socks, socks, some suits, some shirts, she could definitely use it. Good morning. Good morning. Sarita Lindo, it's been uh, two years. At least. Oh, my goodness. You've maybe two and a half. Journey, though. I've been on a journey. Yeah, you help people so much that you had to realize that I got to help me now. Absolutely. It's been a long two years, but I'm glad to be here and glad to just get back into suiting up the guys. It's yeah. been a journey. I um, was diagnosed with breast cancer and had to go through that journey. I didn't realize how much time it would take of me and my body. Just so glad to be feeling good, feeling better. You know, even when you're on the positive side of it, of the, the cancer that says you're better and you can be better and feel better, it's those side effects and those residual things that come after when people say you're cancer-free or the doctors say you're cancer-free and you share that information, people think you're just, oh, she's fine. So I am pushing through the things that's going to make me stronger, going to keep me stronger. And the eating right, and you voiced how my weight was when I came in. But it's me trying to do a new thing. Not trying. It's me doing a new thing. I'm feeling good. I'm taking Suit Up Charlotte to the next level. All is well. When did Suit Up Charlotte begin? When was the conception? So we began Suit Up Charlotte in 2009 at the Carol Hefner Center. So we were there for about five years I got ill, and now we're on the west side off of Freedom Drive. At least you have a place. 
Yes, yes. It's a bigger place now, I think. Yeah. It's a bigger place. It's a bigger place. When we are off the bus line, is still right there, easily accessible. Who are your clients if people don't know about Suit Up Charlotte? Well, Suit Up Charlotte serves men in transition. So we serve men transitioning from prison, reentering the job market. We serve aged out foster care young men. We serve those that are considered underserved, the homeless. We love our partners at the Men's Homeless Shelter here in Charlotte. And we also have a lot of veterans. We simply love, love our veterans. We have veterans from as far as Salisbury that come down to be suited collaboratively in vans. Absolutely. Veterans that are, are transitioning in transitional homes. They've served the country, but they're, they find themselves homeless. They find themselves in transition. And so that's the population we serve, the population that's transitioning back into the workforce, back into life. Back into life. Back into life. We love serving the men. Of course, when when men lead, it's it's so many absent fathers, too. So when men lead, you know, we're all bad. It kind of trickles down, trickle down effect. When men lead, they lead their families, they lead their kids. So we, we like to help them transition and do well. Better community leaders. So not only suits and shirts. Suits, shirts, ties, belts. We have business attire and casual attire. So we do... Uh, a variety of khakis and buttoned up shirts, sports coats. When the winter comes, we also have a need for winter coats, winter jackets, things that make men do well, feel well, look Mm -hmm. good. However, one of the things that we're doing in terms of um, moving up to excellence is that we really desire for the clothing and the items to be donated that are clean, ready to wear. We don't always have a market or the financial resources to just go to the dry cleaners. So we'd like for the men to be able to try the suits on. If they work well, they can walk with them. So we love your gently, new, clean, ready-to-wear men's garments. Because you used to alter the men's clothing. Actually, we still alter. We want it to fit just perfectly. So part of our transition for these men now, part of our our new thing, if you would, is that not only are the clothes new, clean, gently used, ready-to-wear items, we ask that the men come clean, too. We ask that they come clean, and we have a little checklist for them to see what's happening. Because, you know, of course, if that doesn't fit this gentleman, it'll be able to fit another. However, we want them to feel good, look good, make that first impression. And it starts with all of those things, with cleaning up, coming in, smelling good. We're in your face, too. personally in your face and in your space. So we adore what we're doing. We have find pure joy in watching men look good and feel good when they when they just step out of the dressing room they're like new creatures, I promise you. We can't get some of them out of the mirror. So we love it. You know, we like it to combine with the total package. They're clean, the clothes are clean, they're looking good, they're feeling good, and they're transitioning. They're going to get the job. They're going to get it done because they're looking good, they're feeling good. I can't tell you how many guys just come out of the room feeling like new money, just like a new thing. They tell us, they share with us. We take photos before and after. We're updating the site so you all can see these. So please visit us on our website and and check us out and, and take a peek at them in before and after. Is there a particular age group that you're targeting? Just men in transition. Our current market 
consists of aged out foster care youth. We also serve the Next Gen program. So we have gentlemen, younger men, CPCC, as well as the rest care program that come to be suited as they're transitioning from from school. Some of them are getting their GEDs and high school diplomas through a program at CPCC. So we work with them. As a matter of fact, we're suiting up a class this upcoming week. We're suiting up that class. Last week, we took measurements at the jailhouse for a career fair that's taking place, both the women and the men. So, and I know they look good. Okay, if you're just not tuning in, that's Sarita Lindo. She is the founder. She's the executive director of Suit Up Charlotte. Started in 2009 at the Carol Hefner Center. Right now, she's got a new location in West Charlotte. So, gentlemen and ladies, if you've got some suits in your closet, you know, been to the cleaners, but then you can't fit them, bring them on by. What is the location? Is there a certain drop-off time? We're at 2801 Christman Street. We suit up and welcome your donations Tuesday through Thursdays. We generally receive your donations between the 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock hours. However, call ahead, schedule an appointment. We'll look for you. And we'll be there to meet you. Our telephone number is 980-859-4154. Just give us a call or visit us on the web, suitupcharlotte.org. And I'm Sarita. Shoot me an email, sarita at suitupcharlotte.org. Suitupcharlotte.org. This is a great organization, nonprofit organization. You can take those donations and you can write them off. We can write the clothing off too. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about the aged out foster care young men. What age is that these days or has it changed? Uh, It hasn't changed. Generally, it's from 17 to 18. Usually when these young men are in foster care, once they reach that age, they they generally have to leave that foster care parents. And so sometimes if they were already in challenging situations, it just doesn't leave much room for not getting in trouble. I mean, they need a hand and they need additional directions. I mean, I'm a parent and even at 18 years old, they're not grown. <laughs> they like to think it's they are. just they, begun. They are so not grown and they need direction too. But we're serving these young men and we're helping in that area, we're collaborating and partnering with some of the foster care agencies around the city of Charlotte. However, come September, we are spotlighting aged out foster care youth through our Fly Tie Project. You can learn more about the Fly Tie Project coming up and, and follow us and we'll share more information as we go. It's a project that's not only locally here, but it's going to be globally. And we are contesting the Fly Tie. So you just have to Follow us and learn more about the Fly Tie Project so we can engage you, too. Are you a tie aficionado? I can't pick a good tie out if you... A Christmas tie. I can pick those out. Thanksgiving ties. Theme ties I can do. You know, I think after suiting up the guys and you watching complexion and then you, you're you right next to them and you can kind of pick a tie that kind of goes with this suit. The challenge sometimes is getting them on board, but I think I'm getting a little, I'm really getting good at this. So I know this will work. And they usually like my opinion because <laughs> they look good. They're looking in the mirror. They're looking good. It's matching. It's coordinating. The thing about it is having the fly ties to be able to do that. But we generally have a really good selection of ties. We've been really fortunate to have have a good selection and some are a little old and dated and sometimes you can use one or two but we like to have things that are fashionable that are in style because that's what the men want to wear the young men in terms of the age our foster care youth or the ones that are actually in the next gen programs they're always asking for tighter fitting legs and we go 
Okay, yeah, they love those. They don't want no bell bottoms. They don't want bell right. They have a little plant to them. They be going. They too big. They too wide. They are so funny and so cute. But we, when you have some stylish, fashionable things, do think of those young men. And then you know, sometimes there are those traditional suits that's not too wide. That really looks good on them, really does. They're looking good. They're feeling good. They're doing things corporately. This next-gen program is moving and doing some things. So we're excited about that. So you don't pick up. They can drop off. Yes, they can drop off. We don't pick up. And what's that address again? 2801 Christman Street. Christman. We're in Christman. It's C-R-I-S-M-A-N. And we're in Suite 103. And we also welcome... Not only your donations, we are looking for volunteers. We're looking for some of those male or female volunteers who have a flair for style, let's say, and love putting it together and and, and helping men to look good. I think I can pick out some fly ties, but, you know, maybe you can do better. From one hour to four hours, weekly, monthly, we can use an hour or two of your time. So we have three targets for the volunteerism at the moment. So we having, excuse me, we have those. We need to help maybe suit up and style fashion designers, as you just called it. And we're also looking for administrative people who can help do some coordinating and those that might like going through some men's attire and hanging them up and putting the shirts on hangers. We welcome any of those opportunities. Wardrobe. Yes. Yes. Wardrobe assistance. Yeah, that's it. Wardrobe assistance. <laughs> Yay. All right. Go right now at suitupcharlotte.org. Suitupcharlotte.org. Executive Director and Founder, Sarita Lindo, is joining us today. Just go to the website. You can donate your clothes. If you go by 2801 Chris Men Street, that's Suite 103. That's in West Charlotte. Correct. Also, you can donate. Can we donate online? Absolutely. You can go to the website, click the donate button, and you can donate there. We are currently looking for shoes. Shoes any size from 7 to 18. We're calling it Kicks for a Cause. Our Kicks for a Cause campaign will be starting on August the 20th. You can join us on our website and find out more information or give us a call at 980-859-4154 and we'll tell you more about that. However, we are starting Kicks for a Cause, which is our campaign to just have some shoes for the men. We seem to run out of them mostly. So sizes 7 to 18, any, anywhere in between. Love comes in all sizes, I promise. We have the 7 and we have the 16. And there's somebody's babies with big feet and little feet. <laughs> we love it if that's your size and you have a, a gently worn or new pair of shoes that you'd like to donate as well. Or you can call Miss Sarita Lindo at 980-859-4154. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's the Francie Marie Show. We're taking a break. So before you can wipe your bum, we'll be right back. This is my jam and jelly, y'all, on the Francine Marie Show. Spread that show out, girl. Spread it out. For those fortunate enough to help the person who has always been their hero, find the care guides you need to help at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch snuggling, ball chasing, face licking, and of course, companionship. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. 
How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance will come in with this group. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Only smart people get up early enough to listen to the Francine Marie Show. So thanks for listening, smarty pants. Good morning, campers! Pick up your coffee cup, make a cup of tea, pour yourself a beer. Hair of the dog, it's the Francine Marie Show! Good morning, thanks for joining us. I have got a business unicorn right across from me on that microphone right there. I'm talking about Chris Elmore. Now, Chris Elmore was a millionaire by the age of 28 for six long weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up. Give it up. That's a great way to start this. You want the backstory to that whole thing? I do. Here's the backstory. The company that I had at the time started in 1997. It actually started growing really quick, and then it was part of that whole dot-com thing in 99. And we got bought by a public company, which made our stock public, which made me a millionaire. But the problem was there was this most epic crash ever, and the company just completely imploded. And within six weeks, we were out of business. Did you stay in the self-help section at the bookstore? Because yeah. 97, <laughs> we still had bookstores. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny about having money on paper is you don't really have money. So it's not like, it's not like my wife and I lost a bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I saw so. that one video where you said you lost... Yeah. Uh, Nissan Ultima? Oh my gosh, you did your homework. (laughs) This is upsetting. Yeah, the second year that we started Avid Exchange, we'll talk a little bit about Avid Exchange. The second year we started Avid Exchange, I got my car repoed, and it was a Nissan Ultima. And I like to tell my live groups, I'll tell the radio group here, that you're not doing very well if you can't afford a Nissan Ultima. That wasn't the worst of it. You want the worst of it? Yeah. Yeah. The I worst. got some stories too. Okay. Oh boy, I'd like to hear one. You want to see if you can match it? Well, mine is in a nutshell. I've Do been it. to hell and back. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like? It was hell. <laughs> hot. It was I hot think, as hell. I think I was in hell a minute ago when I got out of my car in the parking lot. <laughs> it's pretty intense. It's hot. Yeah. yeah. But the third year we were in business, I took my wife to Subway restaurant. I got three credit cards declined, and they made us leave without food. Yeah. yeah see, if you had gone to Chick-fil-A, they yeah. would have given you your meal. You really? Are you kidding me? Chick-fil-A is the best when Chick-fil-A you forget your wallet. Chick- oh, really? Oh, yeah. I forgot my who forgets their wallet. I've yeah. done that before. Don't feel sorry for me. Okay. Okay. I know. <laughs> I, always, I had a mentor used to say, it's not where you start, it's where you end. True yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. And most of the successful people have a lot of rubble yep. under their feet. Yeah, and I'm happy about those stories. And on a great show like this, it's kind of a little clicheic to tell stories like that. But I don't mind people knowing because it makes a story a little bit more human. And You're talking to someone who needs to hear it. Well, I hope that someone's going to hear this and realize that, you know, what it takes to be an entrepreneur is just good old-fashioned grit, determination, focus. My definition for luck is when opportunity meets preparedness. Have you ever heard that one? I have. Yeah. And so what that means is that if you go to school and you get educated, you know, not even in traditional, non-traditional schools, that's still preparing. And then when you put yourself out there and you network and you meet people, that creates opportunity. So I have this thing where I've just seemed to be the luckiest person you've ever met, but it's because I'm always out there and I'm always learning. 
Remember back in the day when networking was when you got yourself out there. Now it's social media when yeah. you get yourself out there. There yeah. are YouTube videos when you get yourself out there. And that's what shies us away. Yeah. No, we had, a, I think all I had when I started was a telephone. <laughs> and a Yellow Pages? <laughs> yeah. I was just talking with a group last week of life insurance agents. And when I first got out of college, I was selling life insurance. And I tell people this because it's the truth. My very first year in business, I made six figures, $2,163.72. You speak a lot to many groups. <laughs> yeah, whenever I can. I find when I go out and meet with groups and speak with them, tell them the Avid Exchange story and tell them a little bit about what we're doing, I think we'll get to some of that too, especially kind of the philanthropic side of it. I love going out there telling the message and everything like that. And, and companies just, people just seem to get a kick out of it because they do what you said. They realize that the folks that started Avid Exchange, let's say our first 100 employees, they were really interesting people. And they're interesting because they took a flyer on a company where an idea hadn't been established yet. You know, the product hadn't been established, but they were the ones that made it possible. You know, if you think about that, a company's not a building, and a company's not a spreadsheet, and a company is not, you know, a PowerPoint. It's the people who are actually physically doing work. Finally, we get it. But there are there is such a thing as an employee unicorn, yep. just as you're a business unicorn. Is it? They go beyond expectation because of their uniqueness. That's great. What, so what's an employee unicorn? So you hire them to do X, Y, Z, and they go beyond the alphabet. I love that. They go beyond their call of duty because they feel vested in the company. Yeah. I have no plans of leaving Avid Exchange. Next year is our 20th anniversary. You going to have a party? Yeah, we're going to have a pretty big party. Well, put me on the invite. <laughs> you put bet. Put me on the you invite. Chris Elmore is here this morning. He is the amazing one that we're focusing the show on. His life, his money, his companies. Let's get to the company. Okay. I thought you were going to go money. Money. Let's, show <laughs> Let's me, talk about the company. Sh show me your money. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got Avid, six bucks in my pocket. Really? Most millionaires don't walk around. Or are you a billionaire? Can I ask? No, you can ask, but I'm not a billionaire. Okay, got for it. Sure. Avid Exchange. A lot of people ask, what is Avid Exchange? We get that a lot, and people get us confused with a lot of different things, too. So we were born and raised in Charlotte. That's one thing you should know. At 9th and Bavard Street, the building's still there. The very first year we started was in 2000, and it was really started by a gentleman who is CEO today. His name is Mike Prager, and he's someone that I've worked for for almost 25 years now. And great guy, genius of a man. I want to tell you something about him. He's never said a negative word to me in 25 years, and I've deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> you were trying. Well, you trying to get it out of him. Uh, you know, I just have a huge desire to be the center of attention. I'm a middle child. Are you? I am sort of kind of the middle child. I always just want to be part of stuff. You know, it's a sickness. I want to be in on things. But that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So Avid started, Avid Exchange started with this idea that we were going to um, be a, a classic exchange for the real estate market. It didn't work. So we changed the idea. We had a third idea. Our second idea, it didn't work. Then we had a third idea, it didn't work. And then... We got into a room and we said, what do we want out of a company? And we came up with, we want to create a product that people are willing to buy, buy at a high price because that denoted value. And then this was Mike's idea. And that was, he wanted a product that people would use every single day. And that was it. Now that right there, buy, 
buy at a high price and use every day is the uh, business plan that launched a billion-dollar company. So right off the back of that, we created a product that just started us on our way in 2002. So it took us two years to kind of figure out the product. Then it took us two more years for that product to kind of get up and running. So that was four years in the wilderness. And, you know, those were lean times. We've already talked a little bit about how lean they were. But, you know, we made it, right? Do you make the product affordable, though? It's affordable because of the impact it has on companies. Now, it's fairly expensive if you think about it. You know, our average price will be anywhere from twenty-five dollars to $100,000. And that seems like a lot of money. But to a business, a mid-market business, that's not that much when they get a, a corresponding return of two hundred and fifty to a million dollars. We're fortunate that we have the ability to create a return like that. And you make sure that the product that you have has visibility and enough control for the company that they can do without paper? Is yeah. It- By the way, it's not sexy. I tell my students, I teach at UNCC and Queens University, and I tell my students, I'm, if you want cool, if you want sexy, you know, just know that you're going to be in a really crowded space. But we automate the accounts payable process. By the way, I love the accounts payable. I've written eight books on accounts payable. I know. Yeah, I know. And if you want a clear room at a party, you tell them you've written a book on accounts payable. <laughs> you are, But you are the life of the party. Well, I would like to hope so. I, I've picked up a lot of bar tabs before. Yeah, okay. that makes me, I, I probably shouldn't say that on the radio. Well, it's okay, because you can buy drinks on Sunday, right, and Saturdays. So if you had to pick your favorite book that you wrote, because many of us have the book in us, we just don't want to hit submit. Yeah. They're kind of like kids, you know? You can't have your favorite kid. But the very first book I ever wrote was by far the one that has the one that's closest to my heart, because I put so much into it. And by the way, I hope it comes across okay, but I was a horrible student in school. I was in the half of the class that made the top half possible. <laughs> and But I had issues there in school. And I finally got diagnosed with a, some kind of a learning disability. I know I'm oversharing a little bit, but that's what this is about. I feel like I haven't been diagnosed, but I should yeah, be it's, for something. Well, like People always feel like there's, there's a missing link someplace, yeah. but I'm just going to keep this boat rolling. Everybody has an issue with something at some time. And my issue, quite simply, was... When I sat down in a classroom and listened to a teacher and was supposed to read and write, I just struggled with it. Now, they call it dyslexia, but, you know, it hasn't been an issue if I'm not sitting in the classroom. So I would fall asleep. (laughs) (laughs) No offense, but yeah, I would fall asleep. I mean, you know, it's tough. It's tough on kids nowadays because they have to do so much and they're in class for so long and... It's tough on kids. That's why we need to have more apps on their phones so they can learn. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm hoping that education is going to change a little bit. You know, I did one thing in my class that really turned the corner in them taking in information is I eliminated books from my class. Yeah, which it was a nice little cut on the expense side for students. And then I added podcasts. And I realized for every one hour that I would assign reading, I could do five hours of podcasts. Because they can take it in so much quicker. You can consume about five times as much. You can walk your dog as you listen. Walk your dog. You can work out. You can drive. And, you know, the thing about it is, and it's in story form, too. So the information they were getting, they were able to connect pictures in their brains to the issue that I was trying to teach. Well, that's pretty genius of you to do that. Did you have a certain layout or format? You know, there's a magic to a podcast. Well, I just stole other people's podcasts. So, you know, 
like the really high-rated podcasts that were about business or starting business, they just listened to those. I didn't do one. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You can multitask yourself. Well, I yeah. did a lot of that. All right, Boy, Chris we got Elmore. way off the top. On I know. That. <laughs> I know. To... Why'd they put us in a room together? Yeah. I have no clue. This is going to be your seven-hour special. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Elmore, okay, wrote eight books. One of them is his favorite. The man was a millionaire by the age of 28 for about six weeks. He's telling us his story. He's got Avid Exchange, which is a accounts payable That's right. kind of situation. Can I call it yeah. an app or software? Yes, software. Is okay. what it is. The one thing that I was mentioning about Avid Exchange is that in any business, you know, even your business, bills come in. In a business, they're usually paper, and then they go out, and that's usually a check. And so the Avid Exchange customer has the luxury of that whole thing coming in and going out is all digital. Got and their accounting system sits right in the middle. So here's the thing. I told my students this, and, you know, for anyone that's kind of an aspiring entrepreneur, is that... The way you build great software is you look for a process that's repeated over and over and over again, where there's a lot of people doing a lot of things, it's ready for software. So if you have a process that's repeated over and over again and it's very similar, like the accounts payable process, and but there's people just doing manual efforts, it's ready for software. And that's what we found out. Is that you, eliminating jobs? You know what's so funny about that is because we work in the mid-market, it doesn't. But typically, automation will eliminate jobs. But what happens with our people is they usually, they don't have to do that task like system data entry, and now they can go on to do something actually, quite frankly, more important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Programmers. You love a programmer, I love right? programmers. <laughs> I'm not one. I get that all the time. People think that if you start a tech company, you're obviously a techie. Now, I love technology, but I have a thing about technology. My thing about technology is it's only as good as the people that it serves. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just tech for tech. I'm not a big fan, and I won't get underneath the hood and start looking at everything. I always like to figure out, well, what problems are we solving? You know, how are we, how are we making people's lives better? Here's the thing. I'll tell you a story about back in the day that really tipped me over into this idea of tech is only as good as the people that it serves. I was meeting with the CFO. We were on the telephone, and I said the same thing that I say to everyone, which is, why do you want to use Avid Exchange? And he said this, and it was, it was actually kind of a touching moment, if you could believe it. He said, we have a lot of skilled people doing unskilled things, and I need that to stop. And so his thought was the work that they were doing today, just because it was screaming at him, I got to do it, I got to do it, I got to do it, wasn't the intellectual work that he wanted his people doing. How would you like to work for a guy like that? Yeah. And that really tipped me over into this idea that technology serves people. You know, this whole notion of one day we're going to show up and our jobs are going to be done by robots, probably true. <laughs> but probably true. Our, the jobs that we have today are probably going to be done by machines in the future. But here's the thing. You know what we'll do is we'll go do something that's more important to humanity. That's what we'll do. It's repeated itself over and over again. And that's the only reason why tech is good. Peace and love. Peace and love. That's so corny. But we do need to start getting along. We absolutely do. And I think that if we're going to use technology well, we're going to have to use it to do that, to come together a lot more. All right. For sure. Because we have these, uh, they call them churches. Yeah. Yeah. And you're supposed to go once a week or yeah. twice a week and then, you know, harmony across the the map, but it doesn't happen. No. 
No. We leave and we forget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And occasionally we have to be reminded. Yeah. Speak- usually by my kids. Oh, you got four. I do. Ooh. I know. You want to talk about that? that? Yeah. Uh, by the way, if my wife ever leaves me, I'm going with her. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She must be a hoot. You know what's so funny about her? Yeah, she's great. What's so funny about her is that she has the most remarkable sense of humor, and she can't tell a joke. We pull up to the hospital, and it had this big sign that says, you know, no weapons of any kind allowed on property. And she looked at me, and she said, you better leave your wit in the car. That's pretty good. <laughs> and she's about to deliver a baby when she says this, or just you guys are going to the that, hospital? We just, no, I'm 50 now, so I go to the hospital all the time okay. just to see how everyone's doing. Oh, aren't you sweet? No, I'm, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but you do a lot of philanthropic work. Yeah, I do personally, and I like to continue to do that. One of the things that I do is I'm, I'm on a big kick to help uh, minorities understand that they too can be entrepreneurs that it's one of the quickest ways to kind of change the script in your life is one of the quickest ways that you can get out of it. Now, I got a good friend of mine, Marcus Benjamin. He and I do this thing called uh, Black to Business, and it's all about helping young entrepreneurs really kind of create businesses and then create businesses in their communities and you know hire the people in their communities, and they're typically in minority communities. My role in this whole thing is, you know, I have a hard time, hopefully this comes across okay, but I have a hard time identifying with someone who kind of grew up poor African-American in the South. You know, it's just a hard thing for me to understand. Now, I was poor also, but I was teacher poor, different kind of poor, because one of the things about being teacher poor, yeah, we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't do a lot of trips. I remember, hopefully I can tell this story fast enough, because one Christmas, our chimney started on fire as we were walking down to I know I wish ladies and gentlemen you could see her face but our chimney started on fire when we were walking down to open up our presents when a chimney fire is terrified because it's a big roar and it's shaking the whole house and my dad is going down in the basement to deal with it and my mom is shoving a Christmas present in his hand and he's like Joan I don't have time for this she had bought him a fire extinguisher for Christmas <laughs> Here you go, honey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's what it's like to be teacher poor. You get fire extinguishers, trash cans, and vacuum cleaners for Christmas. Exa- things you can use. <laughs> yes, that's A right. A blender. Yeah, but the thing about teacher poor that's different than any other poor is that you have a lot of access to opportunities. So I'm not going to sit here and say that I never had opportunities that other people didn't it, because it's not true. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I like to tell the folks is that when you are typically minorities don't get funding for their ideas. And I always like to say that if you don't look, act, think, operate in the same circles as a person who has the money doing the funding, you won't get their money with one exception and one exception only. And that is if you can show demonstrable, provable results. So financiers, financers, money people, they all can be triggered in the same way, which is this is my engine. I just need some gasoline. And Avid Exchange was like that, too. You know, it took us 15 years to figure out that engine. And then once we figured it out, they were all over us. We raised $577 million just within about a two-year period. From big names, you know, Bain Capital and, and MasterCard and Peter Thiel and big names. But we, we established this engine, 
and all we had to do is prove that we had gasoline in it. I think a lot of minorities get discouraged because they go get turned back, you know, shut down. And I get it. But the thing is, just keep going and figure out that engine and demonstrate and have proven results. The money's going to find you. Well, the first time you get shut down, you think, well, that must be because I'm African-American. And most of the time it is. Well, it's true. It's It's true. true. That's factual. And that's factual. And that's why I can never understand. But the thing is, amazing things happen when you don't quit. But you just kind of change it a little bit. Just stay motivated. There you go. Motivation is what he does. You are the preacher (laughs) to to successful businesses. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. And I like how you're going back and picking up and paying back, paying forward. That's what they call it. Well, someone said that one of the problems with the success that we've had is that I'm still pretty young. And and I could have argued that this morning when I dragged myself out of bed. Isn't the morning will test you who yeah. you are? Some days yeah. you feel like pulling the car, yeah. right? And some yeah. days you feel like getting right under the yeah. car. Yeah, I like Mondays for some reason. There's yeah. something about Monday that's just fresh and new. It's always when I get in the earliest and hmm. do my most work. But. So you're not part of that uh, demographic who has heart attacks and strokes on Monday? Well, we've already talked about the fact that I have four <laughs> kids. So I did a spreadsheet and figured out that someone in my house asked me to do something every 11 and a half minutes. I don't sit down and relax or anything like that. And with four kids, you need a queen-size bed because, you know, yeah. on Saturday morning, everybody piles in. Yeah. No, we lock the door. Our guest this morning is Chris Elmore. Yeah, Chris is an entrepreneur. He's a speaker. He's a mentor. He's a professor, author, and a snappy dresser. What, is that true? Can you tell? You know, I thought, oh, he's a snappy dresser. We'll <laughs> see. You really are. Yeah, it's the pocket square and the, the fake. The flower. Boot, the boot. You call it the a boutonniere. Do a it. Boot, do, <laughs> and the shoes are good, too. Yeah. Shoe, actually, my shoe game is a little weak today. But, oh, is it? So Avid Exchange has 1,500 employees. 65% of them are millennials, which I love. Millennials are great. I love millennials. Millennials hate to be talked about, about being a millennial. They do. But, you know, one of the great things about being a millennial is that you're kind of creative and trying to find a way and maybe the corporate structure, you, you know, you kind of shun that a little bit. That's a perfect avid exchanger. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. normally a downfall. It's like... No, it's a great thing to have because one of the things about avid exchange that I think is unique and maybe we'll talk a little business advice. One of the things about avid exchange that's a little bit unique is that we didn't start a business. We didn't start a product. We didn't open a business. We actually created an industry. There was no industry for what we had. We created it. Now, when that happens, talk about business advice. So let me tell you something. When you're truly innovative, two things will happen. One, no one will have any idea what you're doing. That's a hallmark of being truly innovative. And then two, they're scared of you. Nice. Yeah. If you know that and you buy into that and you're truly innovative, you have a truly innovative idea, that means you have to do a ton of educating. And so that's what we did at Avid Exchange. That's why, you know, the whole notion of millennials being outside the box and not corporate structures and wanting to do it on their own, things like that, they always get dinged for if they're working in a big business is great at Avid Exchange. So for the entrepreneurs out there or want to be entrepreneurs, if you heard Chris talk about it, that is a perfect Example of keep your dream alive. Oh, absolutely. Not only keep your dream alive, but if people just aren't getting it and they're scared of it, that means you're probably onto something. 
I mean, it's like double down. Entrepreneurs typically have the same issue over and over again, and that is that there's one skill that they have to have that all great entrepreneurs have, and that's the ability to sell, be a salesperson. You know, that encompasses, you know, being a great presenter. I always tell people, especially young people getting ready to come out of college, the one skill that you should learn and then you should have on lockdown is the ability to present. Now, if you're going to be a computer programmer, why would you need to be a great presenter? But the point is you're going to get into a situation where you're going to have to communicate what you're doing. Presenting isn't just about communication. Presenting is about motivating. Not only do I want people to understand what we're doing, but I want them to come along with me. And I always like to tell entrepreneurs, you have to be somewhat attractive. (laughs) But not in the classic sense, you know, where you look great and everything. That might help, but the thing is... You don't want to be repelling people. I mean, I've met so many entrepreneurs that I'm just like, gosh. They're like bug juice, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) bug juice. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'm like, gosh, I don't really want to spend the next 15 minutes with you. I don't think you're going to have, I think you're going to have a hard time raising up a company. And you don't want to hurt their feelings. No, shoot, no. In the South, we say feelings. Yeah, feelings. They'll learn. But I think if you have the ability to sell, the ability to present, and the ability to network, you know, that kind of all... By the way, I have a thing that people should treat networking like a like any other financial thing that they have. So your network should be just like any other financial asset and like your house or your 401k or your investments. You know, whatever you do to your house or your investments, you should do to your network. Constantly improving, constantly pruning, constantly studying, constantly being involved with it, watching it, tracking it, KPIs. Mm-hmm. Um, an individual's network, in my opinion, is probably their most primary asset. I know it has been for me. And protect it. Oh, my gosh, protect it. But just know that it's an asset. If you treat it like an asset, like anything else, you know, and your reputation's tied up in your network and your bond and your word and your integrity, all these great things that people have counted on for me over the last, you know, 25 years of being in business. The other thing about integrity is that you can spend a lifetime building it and then one little incident will destroy it forever. Haven't we found that out? Yeah. Yeah. It's precious. So if I could give business advice, it would be be innovative, scare people, and then learn to sell. Okay. Uh, the other thing is we're fortunate that we live in the city of Charlotte. I don't know how much you want to talk specifically about Charlotte, but Charlotte and Charlotte leaders are very accessible people. Well, someone like me who's had a little bit of success and then people think that now it's time for me to go somewhere and not be around people. And so when young people who I've never met on occasions, you know, I'll go do coffee or something like that. They're always impressed that I spend time with them. I'm excited to be with them. They're excited to be with me. And I love that synergy and the idea exchange. But the notion that for some reason I could go and hide and not be around people and not be accessible and that be okay, there's something wrong with that. Hmm. And I think in the city of Charlotte, I've found this to be the case is that You know, there's all kinds of people that we can talk to at any kind of level. What if you're speaking to the person who always gets asked to do something for someone else, but you never really have the opportunity to have what you're giving out? Well, I get a lot of that. And what happens is the places that I spend my time and my energy, I make sure we both get something out of it. And it's not 50-50 either. It's 100 to 100. That's what I always look for. Okay to say no. It's always okay to say no. Well, at a certain point, you have to. You know, you have to kind of dose who you spend your time with and why. 
Like medication. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's amazing. His name is Chris Elmore. Yep. Millionaire by the age of 28. He's got a long story behind that. He's got four kids. He's married. He's... He's a snappy dresser. Snappy dresser. Look at that. And he is the amazing one. Can I call you the founder of Avid Exchange or co-founder? Well, I think the best way to explain who I was is I was Avid Exchange's very first employee. Because I don't like to take any of the credit away from Mike Prager, who originally founded it. Yeah. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Hey, Mike. He's such a great guy, but I really think Mike is the one that deserves it. You're humble. Well, and you're staying like tell, that. Tell, so. Yeah, it's easy when I go home and talk to my kids. You need to make an appointment with father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always do this thing where I was like, you know, if this was the 1800s, you wouldn't be talking to me like that. <laughs> <laughs> what website's the best website we can go to for you? And follow you, too. Yeah, you can check me out on my personal website, which is at the Chris Elmore, the Chris Elmore. And I'd love to connect with people on LinkedIn. All of my social media call them handles at the Chris Elmore. There's a backstory to that. There's a guy in England who has the Chris Elmore Wikipedia page. And a friend of mine was trying to prop it up for me. And he wouldn't give it up. And he's a politician in England. So one day I'll wrestle him for it. Snob him. I will. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so he's much. He's not nearly as funny as me. No. Or cute, probably. Cute. I'll take it. And his beard. Forgot to mention. I'm looking at the beard. Yeah. It's, how many inches is that? I don't, you know, I don't know. But I get it worked on Let's every see. three weeks. Okay. So that's I can the say there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven inches. Yeah. That sounds about right. He's seven inches. Yeah. That sounds about right. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate it. It's an honor and privilege being on this show. I really appreciate your time and having a conversation. You have a fabulous week, okay? I will. You too. Thanks. Well, your one hour public talk radio is up. We bring you good stuff like that every single weekend. Now I am your hostess of the mostest, Francie Marie. Join me next weekend, same time, same station. Until we meet, darling, I want you and you and you to have a good week. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you for joining us for the Francie Marie Show, where we address issues concerning you and your family. That's all for now. See you next week. Showtime, 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 showtime. Guess who's back again? Oh, they don't have no time.